1: Yes, so um, yammya, yeah, yeah. oh, you are so no, 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 service to have a great woman of God with us in our spiritual woman's conference. And I believe that you will never be the same again. And um, she's highly anointed, worked with God for many years. And um, I believe that as she speaks, your life is going to be transformed. And um, she's my elder sister. When I was young, she used to bath me. Can you imagine And um, she's been following the Lord for many, 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 many years. When she was following the Lord, we were not born again. But we thank God so much for using her to get all of us to become born again. Put your hands together for Jesus. She's also the wife of the uh, presiding bishop and our prophet. And um, I said, if you meet a fetish priest, he said, This is my wife. You must be afraid of the wife herself <laughs> because the wife must also be carrying something. <laughs> so today it's a great honor and a pleasure. This evening she'll be here again at, for our evening service. We start at 4 p.m. She'll be here to minister again. And I want you to be here, and our program continues on Monday and on Tuesday evening as well. So why don't you stand to your feet as we welcome Lady Reverend Lady Wood Oh, your wife.
2: Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, we honor you this morning. For unto you shall the gathering of the people be. We pray that in accordance with your promise, that where two or three are gathered, there you'll be in their midst. Lord, you'll be here and fill this place and fill our lives and fill our hearts. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. Father, anoint these lips of clay. Lord, let the word of God go forth and be glorified and accomplish the purpose for which you are sending it out this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Well, it's a joy to be here and I count it an honor to be here for your Spiritual Women's Conference. It shows that your prophet is thinking about you. you. Amen. And having tailor-made services for us, the ladies, it's a blessing. Well, the Bible also says the brothers should dwell with us according to knowledge. So I pray that a lot of knowledge will be acquired for the brothers, Thank you. to also know how to dwell with the sisters. And I believe that the word of God is gender neutral, you know. It's not for male or for female. Everything God said, he also addressed the man. God never wrote Ephesians 5 and just left it to the ladies. He he wrote what the men should also do. When he spoke to Adam, he also spoke to Eve. But he spoke to Adam first because the man is responsible, first of all, before the woman. Although the woman is the apple. So I pray that God will meet us at the point of our need. Amen. Amen. I also want to thank my husband, the bishop, who is also my pastor, for this privilege of being here. He has been my pastor for many years, since 1982. And then I didn't even know I would be his wife, but God works in mysterious ways. Because when I met him at first, it wasn't love at first sight. It was annoyance at first sight. We thank God. Amen. And I also want to salute your prophet, Bishop Kakra. I want to thank God for his life and for what God is using him to do here and all over the place. Amen. I am very proud of him as my little brother. He often announces that I'm his little sister, but... You and I know we are standing on holy ground, okay? <laughs> and uh, I remember when I was in lower six, he was in Form 1. And he and Pastor Payne were continually visiting me every Saturday to, with their problems. Today this happened, the senior boy did this, our milk is finished, how oh, this has happened, and i was sorting them out. So when he says I'm um, his little sister, <laughs> it's quite interesting. But this is what God can do. Amen. So I thank God for his life. And also when my beloved came to visit me and he took the car out, I didn't know that God was going to touch him by the anointing in the car for him to give his life to Christ. Because I had been preaching to him many times, but I think I own Sharpness (laughs) iron. And so Bishop preached to him and he gave his life to Christ. But I remember that when I gave him the keys to wash Bishop's car, and he went out with it, we came out to go and see my big sister who was married somewhere else. And I remember my husband turning and asking me, hey, is that how your brothers are? They are wild, wow! <laughs> and I was so embarrassed, but God was using that to work out good. <laughs> I think that My husband has been, um, he was an only son of his parents, so he was used to sisters, so he didn't know (laughs) how people can be. And then also, he became a Christian very early, so he didn't know much about the other world, but I knew about your prophet, Pastor Amso, Reverend Big Daddy, Pastor Silas, Bad Boys, Pastor Larry in Canada, but when God touched your bishop, He also touched all these lives. And we thank God for that. Amen. Well, your theme is the spiritual woman. And I was saying in the first service that according to First Thessalonians 5:23, we see that man is in three parts. Because Paul was praying for the church in Thessalonica and he said, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So this verse shows us that man has a spirit, a soul, and a body. In fact, we know that man is a spirit, he has a soul. And he lives in a body. So we are in three components. And some of us have developed the other two or just one single part of our lives. And we haven't developed the spiritual aspect of our lives. Some of us go to the gym every day or three times a week. It is good. Some of us walk. I think nowadays Ghanaians are more health conscious. Some of us walk, some of us do exercise in our homes because it's good for the body. But the Bible says that physical exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things. Godliness is being spiritual. And the Bible says when you do physical exercise, it's not that it's not beneficial, but it's beneficial to a small extent. But godliness or being spiritual is good and. It's beneficial for every area of your life. Some of us are very soulish. We have developed the soul. The soul is the intellect, the emotions, the will, and all that. Some of us have gone to school. Our degrees are more than what is on the thermometer. All that is okay. But what have we done spiritually? So I think that your theme is very apt about the spiritual woman. So it's not just being a woman or even just being a man, but being spiritual. So Paul is saying, I pray God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be sanctified wholly. Because a spirit man is actually the leader. It's like arm robbers who have a leader. What they do is the leader may be there, but they send a small boy through the hole. And then when he opens the door, everybody else can go in. Your spirit man is the one that should control every area of your life so that when he opens the door, only good things will come in. So I pray that we will become spiritual people. Amen. Amen. Now, to be a spiritual Christian is to be a steadfast Christian. Amen? Amen? So when we look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58, it says that, It says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing this, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. But he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. He didn't say, Let an angel be steadfast for you. He didn't say your husband or your wife should be steadfast for you. But it says that, beloved, ye, be ye steadfast. Be ye. It's not everything that God expects somebody to do for you. There are aspects of things in the Christian life that you and I must do for ourselves. That's why the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because when we stand before God... You can't say, oh, I was borrowing my husband's anointing. Oh, I was borrowing my husband's closeness to Christ. If you look at the Garden of Eden, when God came, He didn't say, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Adam, come. It's a shared anointing. He never said that. He spoke to Adam separately, Eve separately, and he gave them sentences separately. Adam, your sentence is that in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread and thorns and thistles. It's what will come out of the earth for you. Then Eve, you will, your desire shall be unto your husband. It's a curse. That like your desire is like your desire is like this. That you just give it to him. It's unto your husband. He will rule over you. You know, and then he also said that she will suffer in childbirth. But in the New Testament, God doesn't say your desire shall be unto your husband. He will rule over you. God says you should submit. So that it's not like he's ruling over you. Please, do you understand? He says, wives, submit unto your own husbands. Before they say, submit yourselves one to another. So I'm trying to say that the two punishments were different. And it is the same in this life that we are in. So Lady Reverend, what does it mean to be steadfast? To be steadfast is a naval term that was used to depict a ship being steadfast and staying on course. Because in the olden days, They didn't have the type of sophisticated uh, equipment and instruments we have now to know that the wind is coming from here, this nautical miles, this is happening. There was nothing like that. And the supplies on the ship were limited. So if there's chicken, pork, bread, whatever, they have to know when they are getting to the next port. They cannot afford to be maneuvering and losing their way. And so this word steadfast is said to be from that naval term. And that means staying on course and not being moved from the course that you are on. Amen, somebody. So as a Christian, Paul is admonishing you also that you should stay on course and not be derailed by various things. Now, I don't like to... Preach that, stay on course, be deep, this, without telling people how. You know, most of the time, people just say, do this, do this, or be this. But how do you become that? It's not easy. So I want to talk to you about how do you develop steadfastness? Because if you are going to be a spiritual woman, you have to be steadfast, stay on course with God. But how do you develop that, Lady Reverend? We develop steadfastness, first of all, by not loving the world. By not loving the world. 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Amen. Amen. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. In the same way, Many Christians are loving the world. Amen? Amen? And when we love the world, we, like Demas, will depart. Demas was a Christian who ministered under Paul. He wasn't a mean person. But Paul says about him, he has forsaken me. It means that he walked with Paul up to a point. But at a certain point, he deserted Paul, or he forsook the ministry. Having loved this present world, there are two worlds for every believer. We have the world that is above, and then the world that is beneath. We have the world that is in the future. That is when we go to meet our Savior or Christ comes. And then we have the world that is this present world. And the Bible is saying that Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. So he was with Paul, he was a Christian, he was even trying to help in ministry. But maybe something shiny was happening in Thessalonica. Or something that would give him more money, more pleasure, more comfort was beckoning him in Thessalonica. So he said to Paul, you know, we were on this road together, but at this point, I have found a higher calling and accordingly I am quitting. As a Christian, you will have a lot of opportunity to love the world. We are in the world, the Bible says, but we are not of the world. It is different if you just use the things of this world, you just use them, it's different. God has promised that he will bless you. He says that the things that the Gentiles seek, even he will give to you. You don't even have to look for it. But it becomes a problem for him when the world is your idol and the world comes before everything else. Then you are not going to be a spiritual person. And it's it's not like, Or when when I become a Christian, then I don't love the world anymore. Yes, but Christianity is a journey. And at every junction, there's a temptation there. And you have to keep walking. Amen? So when you look at Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was tempted. Something is a temptation only when you feel like doing it. So Jesus was tempted with the things of this world. Satan took him up on a high pinnacle to give him a good view. And he said, all these kingdoms are mine. And the glory thereof is given unto me. If you will bow before me, I will give you all these kingdoms. And you, Christ, you have come to win the world unto yourself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So you have come to win the world. But I'm going to give it to you on a silver platter. With all the glory that goes with it and everything. You just have to bow down and worship. Which is not difficult. It's just a physical gesture. 30 seconds, like Pastor Brian is saying. It's just a small gesture. But in it lay the kinship of Christ if he had bowed to Satan you and I would not be here today and Satan knew it so he didn't just show Jesus the world from where he was standing he wanted him to see the glitz and the glamour of the world so he took him to the pinnacle of the temple I mean to a place where he could see he said that all this glory is given to me all of it So if you just bow, in fact, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to be betrayed. You don't have to have a sword pierced by your side for blood to come. You can have it easy, Jesus. So I want you to know that if Satan can tempt Jesus, then you and I, you and I, we are small chop. And now, Christians fall left, right, and center because we are not spiritual and we love the world. Amen. Now, Lady Reverend, demons must love the world, but does it apply to us? It applies to you. 1 John 2, verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man... Any man, whether you are a pope, a potentate, a cardinal, a pastor, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the last thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Amen. God shows us what the love of God is. And he's saying that, look, the love of the world and the love of the Father, they can't dwell together. They are like oil and water cannot mix, isn't it? So the love you can't love God he so said you can't love God and mammon. You can't. So the lust of the eyes that is what Satan used to confront Jesus. The eyes. That which glitters, that which is nice. That's how we are as human beings we appreciate nice things. But when that nice thing comes before God, then you are no longer a spiritual woman and you are losing something. And some of us we walk by the lust of the eyes. And we want things that we don't know the history of. We see somebody in church, we say, Oh, this dress that she wore, ma shume shebi. <laughs> have you seen that advert? me Shebi. At any cost. And sometimes, number one, you have not reached there. But you will be forcing your husband, get it for me. Did you see the shoe she wore? Did you see the dress she wore? Get it for me at all costs. And then you push the man into things that he shouldn't go into. You see people, they have been married for 25 years, 50 years, like Prof and his wife. And then you say, oh, I want to be like them. You started from class one. If you just desire to marry for that long, it's fine. But when you say, look at them. The husband does this for her. The wife does this for her. You, you, you are a useless man. Look at you. What are, You see, it's the love of the world because you don't know where they started from. It's like somebody who is in class one saying that I want to be in university first year. Do you know the examinations they've taken? Do you know the tests they've been through? Do you know some of the things they've failed at and repeated before they've come to that place? You don't know. But once you see your eyes, the last of the flesh, they say, oh, who would you like to marry? I went to (laughs) Congo a few weeks ago. And then I was meeting some church leaders. And there were some nice unmarried sisters who were leaders in the church. So I was talking to them. It was an informal. So I said, oh, you, what type of beloved are you looking for? She said, Bishop, Dad. When I told my husband, she said she said that, and I said at least she said it. Some hid uh, <laughs> At least she said it. She said Bishop Dag. I said really, not Bishop Dag, not. <laughs> and then I said what about Bishop Dag? And she said his colour. <laughs> if colour were what you marry with then all fair people should have very successful marriages. And then there was another pastor there who was also as fair as Bishop Dard. So I said, hey, don't tell me you also like this pastor because he's fair. "Uh, I've gone to ask him if he has a brother who looks like him. So I said, hey, pastor, beware. The last of the eyes. There was nothing like, oh, because he fears God, because he loves God. Nothing like that. His color. So some people know that is what appeals to them. <laughs> Inside light. Now what they say? Inside light. So they are not looking for, they love the world and the world's standards. And that was how. Satan was trying to tempt Jesus. He showed them the glory. Everything has its glory. Amen? Now, when we face temptation, what do we do? Many of us, we just say, Lady Reverend, it was very hard. I couldn't. So, I gave in. Lady Reverend, it's not easy. I said, did he say it would be easy? He never said it would be easy. Love not the world, the things, the things, the things that time. That's why some of us cannot even fast because we love our flesh. When we see that, I cannot deny this flesh. Everything the flesh says, I have to give it. Bambara beans. beans. Your flesh has to eat. But when I think of it, I say this flesh, it will be sown in corruption. It will go into the earth. The maggots will eat it. So why should I invest in that more? But the spirit man will rise up and meet its maker. So I should fight to develop the spirit man and to be a spiritual person. Amen. So if you are not tempted, then you are not on this earth. You will be tempted. But when we are tempted, we don't even our minds don't even come to what is God's mind about this temptation. It's not part of our thinking at all, but with Jesus, he thought, "What is my Father's will in this situation?" Hey, Reverend, why do you know? How do you know? Because he always quoted Scripture. Amen. He always, throughout the temptation. Satan said, "Turn this bread uh, stone into bread." Look, you when you fast for even two days, you turn all the stones you see into bread. <laughs> this man had been fasting for forty days, beloved. It's not easy. And when Satan comes to tempt you, he tempts us with what will appeal to us at the moment. Because if you are hungry, the Bible said "And he was hungry. You know, so if you go and bring like other things, that's not what satisfies And So he knows that bread, bread is the key. So he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. When you command the stones to become bread, it will not stop there. You will eat it. But he doesn't tell you that the next step is to eat. He says, just command it to become bread. But who is in the wilderness who is hungry? Only Jesus. So when it becomes bread, then you eat it. But most of us, the Bible says, make straight paths for your feet. We don't see the bait. We think it's just a one-step logic. Satan never does one step. One thing leads to the other. That's why the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Not the leaps. Because everything, the opposite is also true. That the steps, one step, one step. The Bible says, I saw a young man, void of understanding. He was going on a dark road at the corner of a house of a strange woman. Why should you go and pass there? I don't care whether you are a spiritual tarzan or a spiritual rambo. Why should you go and pass there? They said, a Lady Reverend, I thought I was strong, so I went to pass there. Why? But we always go there. I was once, I met a pastor, and I was talking to him. He said, Lady Reverend, you know, I, 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 I saw a lady, and then I led her to Christ, and then I went to follow her up. When I got the Lady Reverend, she removed all her clothes, lay on the bed, and said, a Pastor, read the verse. Hey. This is a pastor I know. Today, Christ is a bishop. And I said, uh-huh. So what did you do? I was sitting with him and his wife. So I continued the Bible study. I said, with all due respect, you are a fool. With all due respect. Why are you dreaming in your age, man? Said, I'm telling you, because by the grace of God, I escaped. Door. I said, what type of foolishness is this? Oh, she was lying there like that. You were also reading the Bible. Okay, so we now know that you are a new creation. You are a fool. Why do you have confidence in the flesh? Why do we make room for temptation? Why do we make room for the things of this world? Many years ago, my father-in-law said that we we're living in his hotel. He gave us a, part, a small apartment, one bed, when we first got married. Then later, he came to see us that the reason why my, father, my husband says he's going full-time it's because he doesn't pay rent, he doesn't pay electricity, he doesn't pay water. That's why he thinks that life is easy and you can just go and be full-time. So he gave us an eviction notice that he is he is evicting us. But we reasoned that, how can my father-in-law evict us? It can't be true. But we were sitting there one day when a knock was on the door, when we said come in, he came in with a Vietnamese woman and then he started to show her, so this is the kitchen and this is the bedroom and this is the, hey! So when he left, my husband said, mommy, it's real, oh. (laughs) Then the woman said, oh, I would like to come back and look again. They came again. Then he gave us the notice again. So we saw that he was serious. So we started to look and my mother-in-law bought us a property, but it was uncompleted. And then Prophet Kakra was on one year from architecture. So we took him as our architect, because we couldn't afford a better quality. (laughs) (laughs) So we started to put our house together with him. So every time he would go, and even when we were moving, he drove the bus, we put all our things in, and we moved to the house. When we got to the house, I mean, we'd been going there The whole floor was red sand. There were no windows, so my husband decided to put plywood. And I had not thought about it, but when he put the plywood, then there was no light in the (laughs) in the house. And then he said, "Okay, so we will do the part that we are going to live in, just upstairs, our bedroom area, a few, and then we will just put mosquito nets in there, but no louvers." So we put. But when we got to the house, We felt so blessed. My husband asked me, Mommy, are we not in our 20s? I said, we are. God has given us a mansion like this. So we lifted our hands. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands. Because for us, God had really blessed us. Now, we didn't also have a stove that had four banners. It's only two. And the one I removed some of the plywood or whatever to do the fire. The wind also comes in, and the fire also cannot stand. But I never knew that I had a problem, so it was never even a prayer topic. It was just divine grace. And for 20 years, we were building that house. So we finally came to live in it. But it was a price to pay to follow God. Because if we had done as my my father-in-law said, we would probably have lived there for many years. And perhaps he could even have given us more things. But because we said we're going into the ministry, he called me and he said that you're you're my son. That's what he used to say, my son. He is a pastor. And now he wants to go and live off people's offerings. You as a wife, what do you think? I said, Daddy, he says God has called him. So I think it's my duty as a wife to support him. My father-in-law stood up I said, so you can't see your future. You, can't, you cannot see that you are standing on a very shaky future. Truly, I couldn't see, but I couldn't answer the question. When I look back, I feel that God just blessed us with simple-mindedness. Because we didn't know that we, didn't know that we were in trouble, though. But my father-in-law kept asking, you have children one day? Yes. So how will you look after them? I was surprised that, oh, doesn't he know they just will live by faith? (laughs) But I couldn't tell him that. And then when we started to have children, I should even have understood, but I think God still blessed me with simple-mindedness. We couldn't afford even baby milk. So we used to make cocoa, then we'll add all the WHO things that you use to feed children. And yet God brought us from one step to the other. I don't think Lighthouse would have been here if we have loved the world and the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, because by the eyes, where we were staying was not appropriate. You know? And maybe by the flesh, a bit of discomfort. What are you prepared to walk away from so that you can walk with God? What are you prepared to sacrifice on the altar so that you can please God? Every Christian will come to a place where you sacrifice something. Amen? Amen. But many of us don't have sacrifice in our lives. So like Demas, we love this present world. We don't prepare for the afterworld. It's not in your thoughts. All your plans are how I get this and do this and the future, like the rich fool. And when God says, today, your soul is required of you, will you be ready? You can even be a pastor. If any man loved the world, you can be a pastor, but you are very worldly. Very materialistic. Everything is about the earth and things related to the earth. And you can never walk with God like that because the love of the world and the love of God cannot coexist. They can't. So Jesus overcame the lust of the flesh to eat, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. These are the things the world consists of. The world that they said Demas loved, these are the three things that it consisted of. Some of us, like prophet was saying on the clip, you have to make yourself of no reputation. You are too big for Christ. You are too big for the kingdom of God. When you come to church, you come with all your degrees on the thermometer, they are following you. So when we say, Oh, could you help to usher? I say, when they look at me, am I the type that should usher? What is type? All flesh is as grass. And the glory, the flower, the glory is as the flower thereof. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of God stands sure forever. Amen. In the church and in Christ. We are all God is not a respecter of persons. And God does not look at your degree, your academic. Some of say, Do you know where I come from? Do you know where who my mother is? Did you choose your mother? Did you choose your father? It's just God. Amen. It's just God. And because of pride of life, you cannot work in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Me, when is give thyself holy? My main job is to feed the people. Usually, if you put the figures that we have to feed together, it's close to 1,000 or 1,000-something. Thousand but that's my job. I cannot come and say, you know, give myself what I would like, a ministry where I can be seen. When I went to Congo Brazzaville recently, a bishop there had to introduce me to preach. And he said, eh, he was speaking in French, he said, I have a confession. This woman... Me and mother gives herself holy board. Every time I go to Ghana, all that I see is that she serves rice and stew and other foods all the time. And then also I always see that she's in a hurry. Shh, shh. Those are the movements I see. So when they said she was coming, I said, Are ah, we? Can she speak? And then they said that there will be a press conference with television. to me. How is she going to answer all the questions? So when I stepped off the ferry from Kinshasa, you come by ferry. I stepped off the ferry. There was a room ready. Television, cameras, everything. So what, are you, what is the prophet bringing to Congo Brazzaville? Because I was a John the Baptist for my husband. What is the prophet bringing to, John the, uh, uh, to Congo Brazzaville? What do you think is the message that God has given now to his church, whatever? When I was growing, I asked my husband, this new assignment you have given me, what am I supposed to do? Oh, go, is, pre-give thyself holy he never really answered my question. So I went to my closet and the Holy Ghost said, remember, I said that I will tell you what to say. In the day that you get there, I'll tell you what to say. So when they asked me the questions, I answered. And in one of the places they asked me, so the Congolese people are suffering, that's Kinshasa. What message do you have? And it's very political. I didn't know. Not knowing either way, having turmoil. And what, what message have you brought? And the Holy Ghost said to me, It's the last days and the signs. So I said, oh, Jesus predicted all these things, that there will be unrest, nation shall rise against nation, you know. But he said that when you see these things, look up for your redemption draws near. (laughs) The man didn't say anything. This bishop, he was with us. Then in the evening, when I was coming to preach, that's when he confessed that vraiment, I didn't know this woman could speak. And I was praying for her for the press conference. But I saw that when they asked her a question, she, she knew what to say. When they asked, I said that it is just the spirit of God. So he was using, what he sees about me in Ghana is that I make rice and stew and I'm always feeding people. So that's all he knows about me and in relation to ministry and even a lot of people in my church. Because even when I used to have the women's meetings, it's once a year. So when it's over, they don't hear me anymore. But you cannot be led by the pride of life. You, the church, you want only ministries that you will be seen. You want only ministers who say, Sister Shawanda, today you sang very well. Sister Shawanda, thank you for being our member. Sister Shawanda, if we didn't have you, this church project will not come on. Sister Shawanda, hey! We should acknowledge you every day. If we make a mistake, you will leave the church. The pride of life is a sign of the love of this world, and that love for this world must go out of us. Jesus said to the Pharisees, woe to you because you love to be seen. And you love to sit in important places. But in ministry, there's a lot of hidden things that you don't see. So how can God use you if everything you want stage ministry. So if you're a prayer warrior, you will leave prayer and come because you want us to see you. Pride of life. You want to be seen. You want to be celebrated by men. You want, it even affects your service. But what does the Bible say? It says, your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Amen. There are so many things I do that are not on Radio Kodesh or Radio Kiosi. They are not there. But it doesn't mean that you should grow weary and you should stop serving God. Because I've seen God's faithfulness that he really rewards in secret. Amen. Amen. So you too, the pride of life. The pride of who you are. The pride of where you came from. The pride of your credentials. You know, somebody came when we first started our school and said that why is the road in front of the school untied? Now it's tired. She said, I went to a very good school. So I'm very conscious of that. I said, really? Already the English wasn't going so well, so I was surprised. <laughs> then I said, what school? She said, I mean, I don't mean any insult to her school, but she said, I went to Agri Memorial. And I said, oh, okay, I went to Wesley Girls. But I know that the road, it has to be done by government, so we are doing our best. So, and what are you doing about this? And Agri Memorial that you have gone, the pride of life. <laughs> The pride of life. You can't even go through the gates. You are a big man. When we come to church, we all leave our bigness outside. And we just become servants of God. And then we say, Lord, what will you have me do? What will you have me do? What will you have me do? That is what Paul asked. What would you have me do? But the generation of this we say, we ask God, what will you do for me? But Paul asked, what will you have me do? Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. The last of the flesh. Every day you are eating. Three hot meals for this body that will be buried. And two cold snacks. And then your body. some One meal if it is lucky. Your spirit. You never feed your spirit, man. Because you are all flesh. Everything you see is flesh. That's not what church is about. Church is not an old boys club. It's about serving God and bringing the kingdom of God down to men. That is what it's about. Amen. Some of us, the only thing we do in this church is to warm the pews. You will not contribute to anything. You will not do anything. Even the church attendance, God is lucky that today you are sitting here. He should count himself lucky. My beloved, we are called upon to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. A spiritual woman is steadfast and unmovable. And one of the ways, the key ways, to be steadfast is that she does not love the world nor the things that are in the world. When you are tempted, it is part of life, but we, we are not called to fall into temptation. And many times, the reason why we fall is we don't know God's mind concerning anything. Even fornication, So say, oh, it's the church. The church says I should not fornicate. But I the church. The church bases its word on the scriptures. So it's what God said, not what the church said. So my, my, my pastor said, I shouldn't marry an unbeliever. Your pastor said because God said. So in order to be a Christian who is not moved here and thereby steadfast, you have to know God's mind. What does God say about marriage? These days we, we, we run our marriages our own way. The world has come into the church and we are using worldly standards and you are using Akan proverbs yeah. to run your marriage, not the word of God. They say, then you are going by that. I never knew. I heard it just this weekend, to my shock. African proverbs: the lizard that is in the river is the one who hears the crocodile cough. That you are using it to run your marriage. It is the word of God, which is light, not African proverbs. Amen. Amen. The word of God is a light unto our feet, and a light, a a lamp, a lamp unto our feet, and a light to our path. We develop steadfastness. By not lusting after the things in the world. Mark four nineteen. I think I've spoken about it in a way. And the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Amen. And the cares of this world and the lust of other things. The reason why we should not lust. Lust is a strong, unbridled, uncontrolled desire for something. And the reason why we should not lust is that the lust for other things kill the word of God in us. The Bible says the lust for other things entering in choke the word. And everything that is choked dies. So you hear the word of God. You are happy to hear it. But when you lust for other things, it is so strong that it chokes the word. And the word becomes unfruitful. It's not that the word is not preached to you. Good word is preached to you every Sunday, every weekday, every convention. But the lust for other things. entering in. And it can only enter in when you open the door. That's why in the fish they said, give no place to the devil, neither give place to the devil. If I come to your house and you don't have a guest room or an extra bed, I can never sleep there. But when you have a well-garnished guest room, then I can sleep there. In the same way, if you don't have an extra bed for Satan, he can never come in. And if you don't open the door, he cannot come in. He cannot come in. But when you open the door, neither give place to the devil. We give place. So when we open, the last of other things, entering in, entering in, chokes the word. Chokes the word. Chokes the word. And when the word is choked, then now you don't anymore have light that you are walking by. So you you don't develop steadfastness. You develop diversions and detours from your walk with God. So the word of God is, Is supposed to be supreme in our lives. When we begin to have a strong lust for other things, it's not that the Word doesn't come in. It comes in, but it doesn't have life. It is choked. It's not even on life support. It's just choked, and it goes out of our lives. I pray that the Holy Spirit will allow us to examine our lives and see where we love things more than we love God. And it would take a frankness on our part for us to allow God to cleanse us so that the lust for other things. You see, the lust for marriage, it chokes the word. The word that do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, it chokes it. The lust for other things, the lust to be right. The lust to be a champion in the marriage. You say me, I'm not the type that takes nonsense. Now, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all, clothe yourself with humility, all these things. But the lust for other things, I have to be a champion. It will choke the word and render it unprofitable and unfruitful. Amen. I thank God that the Bible shows us how it happens. Temptations are in stages. The lust for things, are, you first open the door. When you open the door, you think nobody is coming. Then gradually, the lust for other things begins to seep in. And then when it seeps in, it brings cousins and second cousins and third cousins and extended family and everybody. And then it chokes the word. And the word becomes unfruitful. Amen. Amen. Second Peter 1 verse 4. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust amen. So there's a certain corruption that is in the world. But what happens is that lust brings that corruption on. So love is not a one-stop shop. Lust is not a one-stop shop. It drives other things and other conditions in. Amen. Now, I like the verse 4 of 2 Peter 1 verse 4. It says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, by these exceeding great and precious promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the. So God's promises in his word, if you are a spiritual woman, is to make you a partaker of the divine nature. You become like God, so that you can escape the corruption. That is in the all the corruption in the world is through lust. You build a house, you say, "Now I want 18 bedrooms. I want a retirement house that costs 25 million dollars." How many bedrooms can you sleep in? The lust for other things. Corruption comes through the lust. I pray that Christians, our God, will not be the lust for other things. Our God will not be the corruption that comes through lust, but that God himself will cleanse us and rearrange our love. Hey, Reverend, how do I know what I love? How did you know that you loved your wife? How did you know you loved that foolish boy? How did you know? You thought about him all the time. Some of us women, when we are in love, we meditate on the words of the man more than God's word he said I was beautiful he said I'm looking great tonight he said I want you to be the mother of my children (laughs) oh Marco he said instead of going to meditate on the word of God you are meditating on his word which will pass away the only thing that will not pass away is the word of God everything else will pass away but you the word is not your priority. You never buy any message to listen to. Never. The only messages you have is radio. When they bring a preacher, that's the only message you have. You don't have any pen drive about anything. You don't have any CD about any message. You don't have any DVD about any message. You don't even open your Bible. You are those people who say, oh, you have a Bible in, too, in Chinese. Your wardrobe is just full of earthly things. Your house is just filled with earthly things. There's no Christian music in your house. You are like one of my sheep. She said she was having an outdoor I said, okay, I'll come at 12. Then later I finished everything I was doing, so I decided to go at 10. When I went, KKK, Bobo and things were playing. When she saw me, hey! It ran, ran. Then they ch- <laughs> <laughs> Then they started to play, unto the Lord be there <laughs> great things he has done. And then She came and I said, oh, right, right, right. I just wanted to get the place right. Please, let's go. Why are you pleasing me? Your house is filled with things. Why are you surprised when there's so much unspirituality and so many demons in your life? The Bible says, be careful what you hear. If David drew out, drove away demons by playing music, So, can they come in by playing music? There's nothing spiritual in your world. When we open your handbag, just trap here in a few coins. When it comes to the house of God, to even give, you never give. Your main investments are always personal. That shows you where your love is. You see, one thing I've observed in our church is that one of the greatest givers are our pastors. I always say, and I've told people, so now they also look and they say that it's true. I said that you see this fundraising. Most of the people to give will be our pastors. Any book that is launched is our pastors. Not because they are pastors, but because they love God. They give more than the congregation. And if our tithe cards were to be announced, you see that we give more, every day you are talking, our pastor took this What about what the pastor gave? Do you know about it? Do you know about it? There's nothing spiritual in your house. Tithe too, you don't pay. In fact, you have even robbed God. You have taken the tithe card, which costs money. <laughs> There's nothing spiritual about you. Because you love the world more than you love God. But from today, you as a spiritual woman, you are going to develop steadfastness to walk with God because you will not love the world. And like Demas, you will not desert Paul, having loved this present world. Stand to your feet, want to pray. Help me with some music, please. We want to pray, God search us. And if there's any area in our lives where we have not made you Lord, but the love for this world and the lust for other things are choking the word and rendering it ineffective and unfruitful, this morning we have come to you. The Bible says, let us boldly come unto the throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help in time of need. God is calling us to come for a cleansing, for a rearrangement of things, so that we will not be carnal Christians, carnal women, but we will be spiritual. Talk to God. Open your mouth. For more of you oh, rise up within Saturate our souls, saturate our souls sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. I need to be serious with God. This is not about the pride of life or who you are. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. Jesus is reaching out to you this afternoon. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I need this, Jesus. I need to put things right. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let your hand go high above your shoulder. High above Lady Reverend, pray for me. God bless you. I see your hands. God bless you. I see your hands all over the place. Father, touch these hands that are lifted up. And I want you to do one more thing. Just come to me in front. Give me the privilege of being the one to introduce Jesus to you. Come. You lifted your hand. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come. Church, encourage them. Come. Come to Jesus. Come, come, come to Jesus. Let me know. Come. Come, just line up here. Oh, Holy Spirit. Come, you are sitting there, you know you should be here. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. Come to the cross. You are not coming to a man, you are coming to Jesus. It's a new beginning. It's a new day. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come. Come. And if you've come forward, please say this prayer after me and mean it with your whole heart. Take this prayer seriously and mean it as you talk to God. You want to say, dear God,
1: dear God,
2: this afternoon, this afternoon, I come to you. I come to you just as I am. Just as I am. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. But I come to your cross. But I come to your cross. Jesus. Jesus. Wash me from my sins. Wash me from my sins. And make me a new person. And make me a new person. Come into my life. Come into my life. And be my master. And be my master. Be my king. Be
0: my king. Be my
2: lord. Be my of my, of my life thank you thank you for coming to die, coming to, die. to save me, to save me. Thank, you. thank you for rising from the dead, from the dead. So, that I. so that I may have eternal life, may have eternal life. Thank, you. thank you that by this prayer, by this prayer. I, have left the of Satan. I have left the kingdom of Satan and I am in the kingdom of Christ every darkness in me, every darkness in me. Is, chased out, is chased out and the light of your presence, of your presence has, entered has entered my life. Jesus, Jesus. Thank, you thank you that my name, that my name is written, is written in, the in, the in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, thank you. that by this, by this prayer I am a child of God. Am child of God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Church, (laughs) encourage them. Happy birthday. Please join the church properly. When you are counseled, come for meetings. Come, because every new baby needs to grow. I pray that you will be steadfast. You will stay on the path and see what God will do with your lives. Please follow our pastor here. After church, they'll call you again please respond to the meeting and God will cause you to grow in him thank you you may go back to your seats. <laughs> shall we pray just before I sit down father thank you for your word that has come to us deliver us from evil and from all the traps and snares of the, of the wicked one deliver us from his deception oh God and I pray that we will love you more than we love all these things Father, keep us by your power. Keep us by your word. Help us to serve you, to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in your work. May we always walk in fruitfulness so that your kingdom will come. And we know that as we seek first your kingdom, all other things shall be added. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.